here's a a regrouping of an episode with one of my favorite. I, I'm going to say you're still a foam smith, but I, I'm I'm going leaning into former foam smithing because uh, you are yeah, you're starting really to embracing the you're really embracing the 3D printing. Uh, I know the evil hands, and I, I honestly <laughs> I I've I've just been enjoying it so much. But this is another episode of Can't Sell This, and I am one of your hosts, Hugh Elliott, and with me on screen, streaming live to his many followers and fans is uh charles xavier Connolly. hold on and, do i have uh, do i have the sound hold on i think i have a sound do you have a sound <laughs> oh there it is i found it no way it's not working no what is it i had applause no. <laughs> I, had, I, had a, I have an applause button on my stream deck it's not working that's so uh, that's okay this is it's not a ricky and lucy kind of moment anyways so we, we're gonna assume that the applause is happening regardless okay we're, we're um, good then. and i normally i get people to introduce themselves and you have introduced yourself once before do you feel like introducing yourself this time um sure yeah you're listening to can't sell this a podcast about creativity creatives and their process with your hosts Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Um, if you don't know who I am, I am uh, Xavier Conley, uh, known as Ebony Warrior Studios Online. Um, I am a, like Hugh was saying, I'm a former phone smith now because <laughs> I've, I've fully embraced the the dark side of 3d printing oh, um I, so good. i've been uh hugh is actually the one that helped me on my journey to 3d printing um he was there the night i got my printer it's and true. stayed up with me all night long troubleshooting to get my printer up and running my very first printer that's so, hilarious after yeah. you broke the after you broke the glass on the, on the no, first I didn't break to... the glass. Didn't break the glass. Oh, it what did was you the do? nozzle. It had dug into the. It was like the ru oh, rubber the, oh, type the... surface. Right. Yeah. yeah. It okay. was like the rubber type surface. And you the... have one of your. You have, you bought the same printer again. It was the so I have the SE and then the S model. So oh, okay. Yeah, one of them has a glass bed, and then the other one has the flexible aluminum bed. Okay. All right. And yeah, it was. Uh, it was it was so much fun when I when you bought your first 3D printer and you messaged me going oh, I don't know what's going on this thing isn't working can you, and it was just this back and forth I'm going can you please just can you we get on a hangout or something so I can see your camera and you I was can so show frustrated me frustrated that night and yeah. I would have not I would not have been able to do any of that and it's been it's been you. at least a year of if not more mm -hmm. right so yep. uh, and you quickly once you got past that hurdle and now 3d printing is 90% frustration and 10% exaltation, you know, it's just one of those things that I honestly, I, every time I get a nice print, I'm like, Oh, look at that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And the tolerances are sweet. And, uh, you recently got a, a resin printer. Yes, I did. I like did. how much fun is a resin printer? A resin printer is 
insanely fun. They're they're way more finicky than an FDM printer. Yeah. But once you once you get them, you know, dialed in and once you know what you're doing, they are incredibly fun cuz a print from a resin printer doesn't require any cleanup work it, much at all. Oh, I'm so it jealous. I'm so beautiful. jealous. Beautiful. So if you have those little greebly pieces, you know, for a, a big build, just do all your little greebly pieces on a resin printer. Uh-huh. You don't have to worry about cleaning them up. All you got to do is, you know, obviously clean the excess resin off of them, hit them with some UV light, and then hit them with some uh, primer, and they're ready to go. Yeah. Love, love it. And I'll say, you know, uh, one of the things that has really stood out for me in in following you for the past few years is uh, your finishing is always just extraordinary. Um, But holy moly, Charles, it has been a you have stepped up your game in terms of finishing in the past year and a bit where I have just you started using resin to like hard coat your 3D prints. Yeah. Like, where were you picking up that? Is that just like a, I stumbled upon that YouTube video? And and it was, well, no, actually, it was funny because I realized I I saw the XTC um, coding stuff and I was like, that, that looks really familiar. Right. Like the XTC look stuff looks really familiar. And so I was like, would the UV resin work the same as XTC? And so I tested it on a piece and it was, as soon as I had done that, I started doing it on some pieces. Mm-hmm. And then I saw a video from Uncle Jesse right. showing that he did that as well. And I was like, wow. Yeah. So I was on to something. It's just, it's it's such an interesting technique. Obviously, it's one of those things that if you're fortunate enough to have a big barrel of resin to, to work with mm. but and, and and because you live in uh georgia like you have sunshine yeah way more sunshine than i typically have so you can just bring your piece out and like let it harden in the sun and then bring it back in right you don't yeah. leave anything you don't leave pla sitting around but you can definitely let it cure in the sun more easily right I did have, uh, when I was working on the Gondorian armor, there was one instance, one of the uh, tacit pieces, segmented armor pieces. I put resin on it and then sat it out in the sun. I didn't, I didn't forget about it, but I left it out there for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And the sun caused the PLA to heat up enough. It's a curve. It was, it was this huge, like very curved piece flattened completely <laughs> flattened completely to the ground well it's a live and learn thing you know uh, have you have you been looking at different subs i don't know this is such a strange i i, I feel like i've been wanting to just chat with you for a while so it's it, it is interesting to see this have you been looking at different materials like pet g or yes uh, I have ABS? Used, i've used several others it's okay. just you know i always go to pla because it's cheaper and it's because fast. it's just easy to use but if I have something that needs to be a little stronger, I have been using ABS and PETG right. for, you know, various projects here and there, but usually I can get away with, you know, my PLA and my resin coating because P- P- a PLA is very strong on its own. It's just, you know, the heat resistance aspect of it is a little yeah. new sometimes. Exactly. I mean, uh, with the release of the Lord of the Rings um, series, I can't believe I'm, what is the name of the rings of power? No. Rings yeah. of power. Um, and you just went, you went bonkers and made like two different suits and 
or no you did you do three because you made one for javi too right so yes so technically technically three because one of the <laughs> hobbies was not full armor but yeah technically three helmet and tunic kind of situation yeah. uh I I watched with horror when you showed your um, shield and you'd gone out for a photo shoot and somebody had banged on the shield and like left their knuckle indents on it. Like that how... was the that was the Georgia Ren Fair, oh, and we were walking. I mean, it was um, already a test of the armor because yeah. it was incredibly hot that day, and. <laughs> Ren Fair is the parking for Ren Fair is in the largest field I've ever seen. So I mean, literally, I I, I shit you not, it was probably a Civil War field. That's right. how big it is. But parking, we had to walk almost a half mile to get to the gate into the Ren Fair. Right. And I'm already hot and sweaty, but I'm enjoying myself. And this drunk dude just comes up to me, um, and doesn't even say anything just walks up to me and i'm holding the shield shield and punches the shield and i'm like dude (laughs) i mean i'm you know those when when we talk about how um women are assaulted and then they you know why didn't you say anything they freeze up why why didn't you say anything same exact instance there i'm just like in shock like why would you touch me why would you hit me yeah and yeah and so we continue walking and um, I had a photo shoot the next week and I'm pulling the shield out of the trunk of the car because I had not really inspected everything after Ren Fair. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the shield and I see a perfect indentation from the punch God damn. in the in the shield. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> so, yeah, no, he, I always say it repeat myself like cosplay is not consent well okay and this is where yeah i was gonna say the same thing uh, i i took my uh 10 year old now 11 year old to um uh fan expo in toronto and and i had i <laughs> i had gone as darth Pooh, darth winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. winnie the Pooh costume with a darth helmet and i couldn't get over like how confining the whole thing was and i realized just how i'm not built for cosplay i, I get i get super anxious um it's just especially darth vader like the darth helmet the the dome goes over and i'm in this Mm. thing that i can't turn my head and i'm fogging up and i'm wearing a a winnie the pooh costume that's super hot and i'm wearing the pauldron and i don't know why i'm making this about me but i brought my 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 kid and my kid was dressed as uh this random anime character uh cartoon character called popey Uh, yeah popey the performer they were so stoked every time somebody recognized them one of the things that i found really interesting is when when you're in costume other people in costume grant you a certain level of mutual respect regardless of how detailed that costume might be regardless of how much effort it may look like you put in as long as you're there putting some effort in to be present there's a there's this mutual respect that goes on and it was really gratifying to see that being provided to my 10 year old who really just wanted to be there and says like i'm a cosplayer i'm like oh that's fantastic you should definitely definitely do that if you want and i'm going to help you do it i initially had been working on motorized wings and stuff but how interested is your son in i mean as a three-year-old, he's probably super interested in dressing up and like 
being in costumes and stuff, right? Or is he well, kind right of right now? It's more like um, he enjoys seeing the characters. So right. he had an absolute blast at Dragon Con being able to see, you know, characters that he likes from his right. shows and oh stuff. Gosh. So he saw Spider Man when I had my Lord of the Rings photo shoot at Hardy Ivy Park in downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, there are huge groups of different cosplayers there for different photo shoots. Right. And so I'm with the Lord of the Rings group and, you know, random characters are walking by here and there. He saw Spider-Man and <laughs> lost it. And I know that made the Spider-Man cosplayers day. Right. Of course. Absolutely made that cosplay, that Spider-Man cosplayers day. Cause Javi is freaking out and trying to talk to him, like asking him <laughs> questions. Where's Green Goblin? Oh, oh my, my God. God. That's adorable. Yeah. So, um, he loves that aspect of it when we tried to get him suited up for the photo shoot Mm -hmm. um he was okay for a few minutes and then he got overwhelmed because he was with me um in the front row of the photo shoot okay but it was a massive crowd of people watching the photo shoot in front of us behind the the photographers and so he was looking for Raquel in the crowd. Right. I was trying to point her out. I could see her. I was trying to point her out to him and he didn't see her. So he's getting overwhelmed by the amount of people. And then he couldn't see mommy. Right. And so he just like broke down at that point. And so he was, yeah, he didn't get his photos, which we're totally, I'm totally okay with because this was a, you know, like a preliminary test sort of thing to see Mm -hmm. if he was ready for it. And he is not quite ready to be in the whole cosplay thing. He went with mommy and got back into his regular clothes and was chill, you know? Yeah. Um, so we're not quite ready yet. He'll be ready next year because he's he's definitely more comfortable now and we're only a couple months out from Dragon Con. Yeah. So I don't know how many people are kind of aware of the fact that you can disassociate you in cosplay from the you in real life. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, cause you are, you're a, you're a pretty introverted, person and you're quite shy in in person and yep. but as a cosplayer you are you're a, a really tall dude who's wearing armor and looks amazing and you put it on and you are that person right like it's yeah, like you're it, like putting that armor on not only does it you know it, it gives you like a shell of protection as an introvert and as a you know somebody who does it who has a lot of social anxiety it mm-hmm. also like adds that element of turning you into the character yeah um for you know some people will get into cosplay and it's like they don't you know they don't really feel like they don't really become the character but for me i feel like i turn into a um what, what what is the term the character acting whatever oh uh, um shoot yeah i'm blanking right now whatever Me too, actually whatever leonardo, leonardo dicaprio and all them do <laughs> when they become the characters right. method acting there it is method, method acting. acting thank oh you cassie God. um but yeah method acting that's when i get into cosplay i'm method acting i become yeah. the character depending on obviously who the character is if i'm sure. you know if i'm a sith i'm not just gonna be an, uh, an asshole to people but <laughs> but um <laughs> no like if i you know if i'm cosplaying as a stormtrooper for example i'm going to be if I, if I'm walking around, I'm, you know, marching to where I'm going mm-hmm. here and there. I'm not talking. I am 
uh, staring people down. Um, just, you know, it's, it's fun becoming those characters. Yeah. Um, I did the same thing with my Gondorian did the same thing with the elven armor. It's just, it, it gives you this like almost feeling of regality. It's so well, much fun. Yeah, I wondered about that with, especially with the Gondorian armor with the, you know, there's a, there's a level of nobility to the look of that armor. Right. There's like, you go, wow, I'm a, I'm for real, like a big night kind of guy. I mean, mm. you're, you're six, two, are you six, two, six, one, six, six one, one, six, one. Yeah. Six, one, but in armor and like a th- four inch tall <laughs> helmet. Yeah. With, helmet. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden like you're six, like six five, foot five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been amazing. And like, do you sort of miss when you're foam smithing? There's this certain level of like, craftiness to it or have mm-hmm. you do you feel like you've enabled that craftiness into the 3d printed stuff because i i know that you're you're doing a lot of problem solving when it comes to the 3d printed work you oh know? definitely like you the the feeling of like i made this sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah no that feeling is still there 100 because it's most of the like most of the armor and stuff that i'm working with I'm making those pieces or I'm taking, I'm yeah. taking models and I'm turning those things into my own doing we whatever need to, tweaks we need to and talk about that. We need yeah, to talk about that. models and stuff. So it's still, I'm still putting in the work. It's you, just, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of different type of work now when I'm doing 3d printing versus, you know, um, building out of foam, building yeah. out of foam. I'm sitting there and if it's a Pepecura pattern that I'm I'm taking the model and I'm creating my own Pepecura file, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of just tedious work of making the pattern for myself. Yeah. So I think with the 3D modeling, I'm taking a lot of that tedious work out of there. Out of <laughs> no, the, you're not. It's of, more tedious. Know, well, no, I'm saying like the, the tedious the tedious work that I'm yeah. having to do on the computer, 100%. I'm taking a lot of that out, but mm-hmm. I'm still adding this. I'm, I'm adding more elements that I have to do, um, you know, on the table side, yeah. the, the, the workshop side. So there's a lot more finishing work that goes into a 3d printed piece mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. a foam piece. Um, and well, it, it, sorry to interrupt, but it, it, in the case of a foam piece is the finishing sort of, happening as you go so like you know you're smoothing stuff out as you go as opposed to like a 3d printed part it comes off the printer and you're sort of immediately sanding right right yeah, like, yeah. yeah. so like you know i'm built i'm literally building the piece and when, when it comes to foam when it comes off the 3d printer it's already got that essential shape i'm just going to you know right. take off any burrs and edges and and resin coat blah 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 yeah and yeah. you've really embraced fusion 360 Oh my God! <laughs> you shouldn't have turned me on to Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty because that that shit is awesome. You're killing it, man! It's it's so it's so amazing to see you because because what you'll find oftentimes when I've I've noticed with uh, other cosplayers and three D printed uh, models is they're working in Blender more often than not. And, and I've blend, done a bl- little bit of Blender. It's just like I'm more, much more comfortable so with more Fusion comfortable. right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the the big advantage to me is the procedural stuff. So, like, you know, if you if you say, "Oh, this this hole is a certain diameter," you can then carry that over, called p- parametric uh, design. But yeah, once you get into like this, the the <laughs> God that World of Warcraft sword, that the big you know 
lion face on it it's and so much fun oh my god i had so yeah. much fun with that piece i stopped playing world of warcraft like over 15 years ago so i i still have that that yearning for for like one of those ridiculously big swords so yeah i've never so i've never played warcraft or any of the war uh world of warcraft games mm. um what got me into really the lore in the world was the movie 2016 okay yeah. um i know a lot of you know like world of warcraft periods did not like the movie but i that that got me into the world of warcraft uh, because um it was what a workshop that did all the props and armor for that movie okay. and i'm a what a workshop fanboy until the day i die so. no that's crazy i didn't, I didn't know that <laughs> couldn't possibly be <laughs> shut your mouth um <laughs> but it's like uh it's it's you know, Weta, I mean, we can obviously go into the Weta discussion. I mean, like Weta really changed the face of costuming and, 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 and creature design mm -hmm. and, and prop making. And, and like, it just, they're, they've just blown my mind every time I see what they do. And every time you tweet and they react to you tweeting, is like this oh my god do you just kind of go oh oh my goodness <laughs> yeah yeah definitely it, 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 gets, it does not get any less exciting every time weta retweets or likes my stuff or That's comments great. on my stuff yeah because they're sitting they're 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 literally like they're they're, they're a teacher they're a master they're a senpai they're mm -hmm. just oh my mm -hmm. gosh that's so funny that reminds me of uh rising sun the movie with Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery and they talk about the Kohai and Senpai yeah. <laughs> if you've seen that movie I don't know man it's such an old movie it's one of those funny things but um, I know also and I, I don't want to I don't want to dwell on one thing over another but I'm, I'm super obviously into the fact that you have spent a lot of time in the past little while especially I think in the past year it really really honing your voice acting like mm -hmm. really spending time um, and taking it more seriously. Yeah. Um, and actually getting paid to do it. Right. Right. And it, how has, what was it that, that sort of prompted you to, to, to sort of get more into it? Well, I, you know, I've been doing it for literally decades now, mm -hmm. just as a, a me sort of thing. And so, I've always had people say, you know, you need to do audio books or you should get paid to do this. Mm -hmm. And so it really, um, I think what honestly started it was somebody reached out and said and asked me, would I like to, uh, I did a demo for the, um, some thing on TikTok. It was just a fun little demo of me revoicing the Ebony Warrior from Skyrim. Oh. And so... Uh, somebody saw that and they were like, would you like to really revoice the character? And I was like, oh, oh, are you for real? <laughs> and so, and so I worked with a with a mod developer okay. for Skyrim and revoiced the Ebony Warrior in the Skyrim video game. And I actually have a clip of it on my Twitch of so seeing funny. myself in the game for the first time with my voice yeah 
my god i almost cried on the stream because it was i i totally forgot i had put the mod on right and so i'm just walking through white run and then all of a sudden i hear my voice i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's so fantastic you know it's uh i think that uh as i as i approach uh late middle age i'm gonna be 50 in a, in a little in a, few, a month and a bit um but i've started to recognize the things that i have not done because either it just felt too hard or it wasn't part of an overarching plan and i'm always very grateful to see someone embrace their talents and and say you know i'm just going to go ahead and do it because because people compliment each other all the time and it doesn't mean anything whatsoever right. but it is really, it was, I found it very gratifying to see you say like, I am, I am going to, I'm going to call myself a voiceover artist as well. You know? Yeah. Do you see any kind of path forward um, for the voiceover work? Or is there going to be representation or anything like that? I, I, I think there is. It's just right now, you know, I have a, I have a toddler. I think I'll get into it much more um when you can have more a quiet heavily, room <laughs> yeah much more heavily and much more seriously when there is not a toddler running right. around because it is obviously very difficult trying to do recordings um you know very emotional recordings at night when everybody's sleeping or during the day because like you saw earlier he yeah. will walk in at any given moment huh. um he, he does not care so um nor should he, he yeah when he gets older, I definitely will uh, be getting into it more seriously. I do have gigs here and there. I just right. had a, um, I just finished a gig for a, uh, a friend's, um, I can't remember what he said. I think it's his like YouTube channel. He does like shorts and stuff like that. So okay. I just finished a gig for him, a paid gig for there. But um, I do have my, you know, my credits. I ha do have my first voice acting uh official credits on the books already for powerade so powerade yeah powerade oh. so yeah very nice well i mean i did i actually with with all candor and i was like i, I was so pleased and you, i actually um commissioned you to do some do some vader work for me for a friend of mine whose daughter was in the hospital and she was just right. blown away by vader you know talking to her and it was like she's she's not a child she was i mean she's a child but she's not like you know she's a preteen but she's an absolute monster star wars fan and when my friend was like hey my daughter's in the hospital and explained the circumstance i was like you know i, I think i could probably make something happen <laughs> right. and it was it was so fantastic you know and you were wearing the costume and it was just it was uh, i i was really grateful for for the effort it was so nice was a lot of fun with that one too well it's got to be one of those <laughs> since you can emulate james earl jones's vader so well is is there like this secret little fingers crossed if someone stumbles upon it from the star wars uh yeah, franchise I've always, I've always had that feeling you know i've tried to get disney to notice and people have tried to uh you know shout out disney with my stuff mm -hmm. but it's very much um i'm seeing how 
obviously how capitalism works. They're not trying to pay someone else to do voice work if they don't have to. So they already bought the rights to James Earl Jones's voice and they have the archives. Mm -hmm. All they have to do is use an AI and robot to make his voice now. So I don't think really any other voice actor is going to get that opportunity anytime soon because Disney is just, you know, Disney is all about saving money and making money whenever they can. So and that does bring me to another, another point. And, and one of the things that I've, I've really admired about you is you are a dyed in the wool communist you do not like capitalism you decry it at every opportunity and i think it's just a you know i i I personally am a disliker of capitalism (laughs) i had a whole thing where this guy there was a there was a layoff recently and and i said to a friend of mine i says that's bullshit it did not need to happen that way and he goes well maybe you and i can have a drink and talk capitalism at some point i said it's going to be a short conversation (laughs) i I will never agree that capitalism is a good thing so it's it's always it's always pretty funny when you're like i because i follow you on tiktok and you're you're very vocal on tiktok and one of the things that you you will say is like did i stutter yeah (laughs) it's like there's nothing wrong i i don't know there's something about the rampant capitalism watching um people talking about a recession and and how inflation is going to kill us all and and meanwhile the profiteering going on product profiteering where people are just raising the price of things arbitrarily so they can maintain their profits while taking the money from the lower classes is always going to be an issue with me yep there's no question it's really just i I, i'm with you here oh no i I, I, i'm I'm listening i'm totally listening like i'm i'm at this point it's like i I always say that i'm tired yeah you know because i i do my best to use my platform because i'm i'm not going to sugarcoat things because i've seen how i've seen people use their platform to kind of like sugarcoat things and kind of try to ride protect themselves right protect themselves ride the fence you know you know i'm just trying to be nice to the to the 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 democrats and the republicans i don't i don't i've i've seen how that plays out and i just i don't have any interest in it i want my space to be a safe space for leftist Mm -hmm. ideals and for people you know for marginalized groups and you can't have that safety if you are allowing if you are riding the fence and allowing you know um bigotry in any form yeah into the space so i'm i'm just going to be up front with people Mm -hmm. from the get-go you know I am a communist. I, I am anti-racist, um, anti-communism, or sorry, anti-communist, anti-capitalist. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> somebody clipped it already. Um, but uh, anti-capitalist, and yeah. I, I will do. I, I always say on TikTok, um, the only people protected in my space are Black women, people of color, and people of the LGBTQ plus community, and mm-hmm. obviously people of the disabled community. Those are the only people protected on my page. And if you can accept that, if you are willing to do the work, put the work in to be anti-racist, cool. Welcome to the Dark Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And and it's it saved me a lot of trouble because people will really out themselves. They'll get offended for no reason and they'll out themselves. And so it makes like the the space and and fan base that i have created is really something that i have cultivated 
out of just being honest. And I really appreciate everybody that is part of that. Yeah. I, you know, I think one of the more frustrating things as a, as a follower of your work and your ethos and, 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 and the things that you're saying is seeing the various levels in which you have been sort of turned I don't want to say the word isn't turned off, but shut down. Like you've been shut down. You've been deplatformed uh, on, on, you were deplatformed on Instagram. And it was like, you had to start a new account. And I was like, how do you deplatform someone who's got like, you know, 10,000 followers and all you've been doing is going like, don't be racist. Like, let's yeah. not, let's just not be racist, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden you, you don't have access to that account. I just went and looked at my my blog post of your episode from two years ago, and all of the in- images that I have from your old account are gone. And I didn't even think of it until I was looking for them. And I'm like, yeah. oh man. And that that has happened. You've been. I mean, you. I don't know if it's called shadow. You call it shadow banning. Yeah, shadow banning You've on been TikTok. Sh- yeah. Shadow ban on TikTok as well. And you think that that's sort of a concentrated effort on the part of the user base that is like going like, well, it's so there's, there's two elements to it. There's a, there's a part where people will actively, um, they will actively, uh, report your videos over report them. So that way the system will take them down. Right. Um, and then there are the, the admins, you can look this up on LinkedIn. This is like known information, the admins for, um, and the moderators for TikTok, they are, uh, a large concentration of them are right wing or right leaning. And a lot of them live in Tennessee. Really? Like you can go on LinkedIn and look at the moderators for TikTok. A lot of these people live in Tennessee. And so they target black and brown creators hmm. who they don't like, who are too vocal. And it's incredibly obvious. It's like, it's not, it's not even hidden at this point anymore. It's just incredibly right. obvious. And so they'll, they'll suppress. Um, one of the things I've been talking about this week is how they will do. Um, they will see a video doing really well. Mm-hmm. on a, a black or brown creators page and they will cgv it content violation um the video and then when you appeal that content violation warning mm-hmm. um they will post it immediately but what that does is it will stop all of the metrics for that video so if oh. the video was going viral right it will stop that metric immediately it will stop the video from going into circulation immediately <laughs> So that's one of the ways that they have been like hurting uh, creators of color. They will just CGV videos for no reason. I had a couple of friends who have woken up this week to have 20 videos CGV'd overnight for no reason whatsoever. By admins. By admins, yeah. Right. Wow. Oh, and somebody just reminded me, my Twitter account, I lost my Twitter account. That's right. Oh my gosh, that's right. You lost your Twitter account as well. I, I, I'd forgotten about that. But you have that back now, or you do not? Well, no, I made a new one because I it all all because I asked Twitter why they allow racism oh. to propagate on their page right. or on their platform. You had you had tagged a, I a tagged Hitler Twitter. guy. Yeah, no, I tagged. Yeah, there was there was a user that had something to do with. Uh, yeah, like Hitler or something like that. And I said, why are you allowing this on your platform? And then they took my page. Took my page away. Damn, man. The amount of times you've had to rebuild is just like... It, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. But, you know, it's I have several um, 
fans and followers who have assisted me with getting you know like the word out this right. is this is his new page blah 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 mm -hmm. and then i've had friends you know share my new stuff um so my twitter kind of like grew back very quickly i'm nowhere near the amount of you know reach i used to have but mm -hmm. um definitely you know definitely getting there because uh, people have really helped with sharing you know the platforms and stuff well, so. most especially i don't know if it's so much with instagram but most especially with tiktok there's actual revenue that can be generated uh on tiktok right yeah. and you were you were doing you were doing some pretty good numbers and then all of a sudden finding you were shadow banned and mm -hmm. that so apparently sort of what went. they do is um, they've been doing this very regularly to creators of color where they'll get into the creator fund program. They'll give you a taste to kind of reel you in. They'll allow your videos to do really, really well. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden they'll shadow ban you and they'll sort of like give you an incentive to go ahead and try. Like you, you remember the commercial with the dude with the dollar bill on the end of a fishing rod? You got to be quicker than that. Oh, oh yeah. yes okay yeah sure so it's it's, it's just like that they'll put right. they'll dangle money in front of you and they'll to get you to keep making content which they are monetizing themselves right um you know to make money for tiktok but they'll keep pulling your views back hmm. and so every so often one of your videos will do well and you're like, ooh, got to keep chasing that feeling. Yeah. So yeah. So no, I left the Creator Fund program a couple months or about a month ago, a couple months ago, something like that, because I'm not, I'm not dealing with that anymore. It's just too much stress right. to deal with. Well, with with the pandemic, um, like your income stream, you really diversified, right? Like you, right. you no know, longer like when when you went full on and just went full time line work or whatever it was you were doing oh like, yeah working you know I, I know it wasn't fun but i mean like it's it's one of those interesting things like have you been able to get back to being like a full-time creator um i've been so since i ruptured my achilles back in oh my May, gosh that's right yes yeah, so, yeah, yeah i've been doing it full-time at home since mm -hmm. i ruptured my achilles um because i've been a workers comp this whole time right um and before that i was doing it kind of like part-time along with my day job right um but i would love to get back to it full-time but i know that these platforms are they're just not going to allow creators of color to just like <laughs> to shine so it's kind of like a scary iffy sort of thing so well, i'm never i'm <laughs> Yeah, I apologize for for interrupting there. I, I, I was just thinking about the fact that you know you're running Twitch and you're doing uh, YouTube mm -hmm. and TikTok, and so now if you've left the Creators Fund for TikTok, TikTok is you're now driving people to where you can make money. You're you're sort of mm -hmm. saying like, hey, by the way, I'm going to be streaming tonight, and that's that's a chance to to pull in a couple of bucks here or there and. Yeah, what we've been doing over the past couple of months is um, there are several requirements to get your YouTube monetized. And so we have been working on the the, the only requirement I had on my YouTube was the 4,000 watch hours. 
Okay. And so when we started, we had 200 something watch hours on my YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I let everybody, everybody know it's going to take a couple months, but we need to get these 4,000 watch hours. So that way I can get my YouTube monetized. And then I will be like basically moving exclusively to YouTube. Okay. And so we have worked our behinds off over the past <laughs> couple of months. I've had a, several um, of my uh, followers who have played my YouTube videos, like just in the background, just like 24 seven nonstop right. that has assisted with it. And then every time somebody watches my streams on YouTube, like right now, that's helping with the watch hours. So okay. we're at three, we have 125 watch hours left. Oh, wow. Before I can be monetized on YouTube. So um, that's maybe, I think maybe another uh, couple weeks or another week or so. And we, will have reached the goal of getting YouTube monetized. So, right. <laughs> it's like a fingers crossed kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's so funny because like I, I, everybody, like everybody else, I've, I have a YouTube channel and I just find, uh, I don't have the energy to, I don't have the energy to do the packaging. Like I, it's, it's the stuff that I do is so hands-on and 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 i'm always talking about electronics and hey you could use this microcontroller to do this mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like the the amount of effort to oh, to do the hey bing bong bing ba boom bong and i i i, I just can't i can't do it because i just don't care enough to i don't know make fake friends <laughs> yeah and i'm not like that either like i i know this for a lot of people who do really well on youtube and stuff they have they do this like whole persona you know because yeah. you gotta sell a product so you gotta be this very you know out there extroverted likable person and i'm just not that kind of person i'm just right. me so when i get comfortable like when i'm just streaming i'm talking and interacting with my fan base in the chat and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to just put on this fake persona like for YouTube and stuff. So, yeah, I was I talking just, to a, I was talking to another maker and I, I said, I, I'm, I'm just so impressed with the work he's doing, but I'm, I'm, I was more impressed with his output. And it wasn't just like, like, Oh, the work that he's doing is really interesting. It's all mechanical and a lot of gears and stuff. And I really like that. And I like his process, but I said, I don't have the comfort level you have with holding a camera pointed at yourself and you going like, Hey, everybody, look what I did. And it, mm -hmm. he goes, I know it takes a long time to get past that. Right. Like that, that he goes, I, now that I am a full-time maker creator, like, I, I I know that that's the that's the job. The job is to put a camera and be a personality and do that whole thing. But man, smiling through the pain just isn't my jam, you know. And yeah. I I really appreciate your authenticity in the in this regard for sure. Like it's uh, God, we're living in a we're living in a very plastic world, and it's nice to see some some legit behavior, you know. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. Do you, um, <clears throat> do you find yourself, um, identifying with anybody currently, like where you're like, wow, I really like the message that they're, that they're putting out. Are you sort of, I mean, you're, you're obviously paying attention to people of color, uh, on various channels or are, mm -hmm. are you sort of going like, wow, I'm, I'm glad to see more of this happening. Like, are you, are you I mean, seeing I, it happen more? <laughs> I, uh, 
I have a habit of just like, I see a black creator on TikTok or whatever, and I just follow them. Right. Um, Cause I'm just, you know, supporting, supporting everything black. And that, that's just what I've been doing. So sure. there's a lot of black creators who I'm seeing do really well and just like um, getting their, uh, their voices out there, getting their messages out there. Mm-hmm. And I really love seeing, just love seeing us succeed you know yeah so i wouldn't say i have you know necessarily one or two creators that i'm just like focused in on i'm just you know rooting for everybody from the from the background (laughs) (laughs) well i mean that's that's just as good to be honest i mean we're i think that i think that we're all it's like we're all trying to take little pieces from the same pie and mm-hmm. and there are people who have a bigger plate and yep. that the, uh, the 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 concept of real authentic personality versus a personality mm-hmm. is is they're they're very different things I, and <clears throat> i i have seen it with my wife my wife is is a is a quilter and she has a, a quite a large fan base when our follower base on, on instagram and whenever she speaks up in defense of the lgbtq plus community or you know says protect trans kids or you know it is speaking for marginalized people indigenous people there's always someone there's always someone that has to say well i I'm, I'm not interested in this. I'm going to unfollow. They have to announce right. it. And I used one of your lines one time when I was doing all my pride work and, and the guy said, enough with the rainbows. And I said, this isn't an airport. You don't have to announce your departure. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know I got that from you. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite catchphrase. <laughs> and I did call someone else Jimothy one time and I, they, they got super mad. And I was like, whatever, Jimothy. And it was like... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I just think it's fantastic. But it what you know, one of the one of the things that I really enjoy about uh your your TikTok videos and 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 the social uh I don't want to say the social work aspect, but it's almost like an education, like you're giving away free education on how to be an anti-racist. It's so interesting to me to see people become defensive where all I think is like, was he talking to you or was he talking about you? And if he wasn't, then it's not about you. Right. And the people that immediately get defensive, you're like, oh, he is talking to and about you. <laughs> yeah. I always, I always say one of the things I always repeat is if it doesn't apply, let it fly. <laughs> it's, it's, if it's, if it's, if it does not pertain to you, yeah, then don't worry about it. Like yeah. stop jumping in front of arrows that are not meant for you. Well, you it know, make no sense. I don't. With all due respect to the to my white brethren and sisters, we are a we are a falsely victimized group. It is a it is a it's a it's a weird world where someone who has everything can still play a victim, and I I'll never understand it, but. I mean, I do understand it. I just, I refuse to agree with it. Because <laughs> right. at this point, it's, it, you're, there's, white folks are starting to see other people gain equity. And that yep. is scary because when you're brought up in a world of white supremacy, 
you know, that that thought of people being on the same playing field with you feels like oppression. Yeah, I who did I say that I was saying that like years ago and we we're talking about women getting some kind of thing. And, and I was like, oh, what's the problem? What's the problem if they get what we've got? What, why do we, what do you care? Well, cause there's only so much. I'm like, no, there's, there's, there plenty, is, to go there's plenty, there's plenty. What you don't want to do is give up anything. And that's, that's where, that's where you feel oppressed is you need to give up something. And that's, right. That's just not how that works. Letting someone have an equal footing does not mean you are now oppressed. Right. We're we're living this right now with with a pandemic and people refusing to wear masks and all that shit. So, mm-hmm. one of the things that um, I will always say is that white folks have never learned to mind their business. <laughs> like if it would they would have they would have a much easier time if they minded their business like they're too busy like i just watched uh i don't know if you saw my latest video from today that lady that lives in uh vancouver freaking out because she lives in a home right uh-huh. across the fence in a property that is not hers there is okay. a homeless encampment Oh, okay. People living in a homeless encampment, minding their business. Right. She is looking out the window, freaking out about them. And then at one point she says, you know, they could be looking in my windows. Ma'am, you are staring out the window (laughs) at all hours of the day at them. And and she called the police on them. She she's and then the thing that really got me was she called the police on them and tried to tell the police what if they start a fire and it burns down my house number one they're nowhere near your house number two they need some sort of heat source because they're outside they don't have any heat source (laughs) number three the police told her well if she um if you know they were to start a fire or something like that the fire department will come and wet everything down or she could go out there with her own hose and wet everything down herself and so she got all offended and said why would i want to go out there and wet everything down myself okay so you have no problem levying the government and law enforcement against houseless people but you won't do it yourself yeah you yeah. have no pro- you have no problem letting the government do your dirty work for you well you're not a victim if you're handling things yourself Right. right. Like, the, right. like this, the, that's the whole point is like the whole, I need to have, I need to have witnesses of my victimhood is, mm-hmm. is how that is, how that works. Uh, oh, well, anyways, fuck white people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a funny, shitty, shitty world, but let's get back to, to some, some stuff what it, i i really am just enjoying this conversation so i can't possibly i can't shift it to anything i don't like like everything yeah. about it is is so great i like i've said before you know uh the last time we talked it was it was the fact that i, I had followed you for so long previous to that and was so impressed with your foam smithing and i had attempted to do some foam smithing and i just couldn't get over how difficult it was yeah but i had a 3d printer and i could make a bb8 and you know and that's when i was like have you tried 3d printing 
And it, I, I blame you. Well, I you know, blame you. I accept. I accept that responsibility. It, it, if there's anything I can have given to the world, it's it's a more capable costume builder and prop. You know builder. how many new, new skills I've learned because you got me into 3D printing. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, like eight. A lot, a lot. <laughs> but that makes me so. That makes me entirely happy. Like I, you know, one of the things that I, I try to do, uh, uh, for my part is is try to share what I know, but be realistic about it. But right. like, yeah, no, three D printing is super cool. It can be super cool. People do not show you spaghetti.stl, which is where you come down you know, the next morning and the print head hit the the model and everything fell over. And all of a sudden it's just making spaghetti. Oh, you know, you know how long it took me to, to, you know, learn what's like how to use Z hop correctly. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm sitting, I'm doing really tall models and I'm sitting there wondering like, why does the nozzle keep knocking my shit over? Right. Oh, you can Z hop. Whenever yeah. it goes over the model. Oh my God. It took me entirely too long. No, but that's, but that's all part of it. I, I think that we don't, we, we rarely, like if you were to go on the 3d printing Reddit page and say like, Oh, and show them a shitty model, like show them a shitty print. Mm-hmm. They immediately go spaghetti.stl successfully printed. Good for you. Yep. Everybody's living it, but we don't share those mistakes like publicly. We don't go like, Oh, by the way, if you run into this problem, this is how you solve it. Yeah. Because because so much of 3D printing is problem solving, mm-hmm. or or knowing someone that has solved the problem and can get on a call and say, oh by the way, you probably just want to plug that that motor in and that'll that'll take care of your problem. But yep. it is what it is. This is this is you know I I think imparting knowledge has to be part of what we do or or you know why do any of it. Yeah. And that's always been a part of, you know, why I cosplay. I always want people to understand that cosplay is for everyone. And I'm not going to be that pretentious asshole that's just going to keep and retain, you know, my knowledge to myself. I've seen way too many people do that within the cosplay world where right. like, I, I know how to do this, but I'm not going to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. No, if somebody's if somebody comes to me and asks me, how do I, how do, I do X, Y, Z? I'm going to do my best to explain that to them. If I don't have time to, you know, to do a long explanation, I will guide them to, you know, one of my other posts or something mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the pretentious booty hole person that doesn't help somebody when they need, you know, to learn something. Yeah. Right. I mean, 80% of your posts are process. So that like it that was when I that's when I found out you were using resin to to do hardening instead of using like um fiberglass resin. You were using um resin from your your SLA printer instead. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's I maybe maybe not everybody would have gotten that, but I know that you I, I want to see I'm positive you pointed it out. I'm like I'm positive you said like I'm using this SLA printing resin yeah, to coat I'm my pretty thing. sure I did. I'm pretty yeah. sure I did because I'm really bad at keeping secrets. So I'm always, <laughs> always explaining something. Uh, did Did you know? Did I tell you this that I worked with um, that we built a website for uh, Paul Souls, who was the voice of Spider Man and Peter Parker from the '67 cartoon? You did not tell me that. That's really cool. Yeah. So his son hired 
the company I, I had back a long time ago, long, long time ago. And uh, we got to meet him. And he was also the voice of Hermie the Elf in the Rudolph uh, cartoon. Oh, that's lit. Um, so it was like this incredible, incredible experience to talk to like a real voice actor who had done tons of work. And he had worked with uh, Frank Oz in a, in a movie called The Score. Frank Oz directed the score with Robert De Niro and Ed Norton and yeah. Paul Souls is the old janitor in that movie. And it was like, we got to sit and talk and I was like, so what was that like working with, with Edward Norton? Cause he never worked with Robert De Niro. He worked with Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. So it was just fantastic. But he said he and Frank Oz did voices back and forth for over an hour. And like we were, we, he and I had dinner in my, in my, my business partner at the time and we were doing voices and it was so, it was so satisfying. It was so much fun. And that he talked like about, he talked about, right. It was, oh, oh my God. It is. It's so much fun. My, our 11 year old wants to be a voice actor and we put them through voice acting camp. They wanted to do it. And so whenever I can, I will do voices with them endlessly because i love it right yeah, like i love it awesome. I love putting on a voice and being a character and doing a thing and i if that's the thing that one of the things that i think children benefit from uh from a, a parent w- with an artistic background which you do is um a a, a sense of play mm-hmm. always right yep. like you didn't have to make javi a helmet a gondorian helmet you didn't have to do that right but how much would he appreciate when you put that helmet on and said, Look, what do you think of that? And like made a, you know, like did a thing and he got yeah. like this, the look on their face when they see that you're involving them in the thing that you do. Mm-hmm. As soon as I put, as soon as I um, got it off the printer and put it together and I put it on his head, um, he looked at it and he said, that's mine. I almost, I almost, I almost lost it. He yeah. said, "That's my, he said that's mine." I said, yeah. "Yes, that's yours." He said, "It's just like yours." I said, "Yes, it's just like mine." Oh my gosh! Yeah, it broke me. It broke me. Yeah, I mean, he could be a hobbit right now, right? Like he could be yeah. a hardfoot. Oh yeah, he's and- um, he's uh, so compared to the hobbits in the movie, he's a little bit he's on the short side, um, oh. but he's still hobbit sized right now. Yeah. <laughs> I see an ear. <laughs> it's right there. He's right there. That's him. That's so great. And with his his big man haircut now. This is yeah, first, he's got a short little his first big boy haircut. That's so fun. He's been doing buzz cuts this whole time. So I finally I I sat down. Uh, he, when he went to the barber shop, he did not have a good time. He's been to the barbershop maybe four okay. or five times and he, he just, the environment, people that he doesn't know. Boys and, then, and you know, strangers. Sat, and, yeah, sitting in yeah. the chair. It's just uh, overstimulating for him. And so I sat down, put on uh, some silly movie and I sat down on the floor with him. He could move whenever he wanted to move. I was moving around him mm-hmm. and I cut his hair. And I think that was a, a, he didn't freak out at all. It was a much more um, calm and collected experience and yeah. so i think i'll be doing it from le- that way from now on because uh he knows obviously knows me and is much yeah. more comfortable with me you know with the buzzing of clippers around his head he's much more comfortable with me so 
Yeah, okay. we found one hair hair uh, stylist that is amazing with kids, and he he took care of our son and still takes care of our son like 12 years later. Mm-hmm. So there's, it, you know, our son will say at 16, he's like, can I see Jeff? We're like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's an expensive haircut, but it, he loves it and he loves Jeff. And so now Neve is now seeing Jeff too. Or no, Neve is now seeing someone else. Oh, well, I won't tell Jeff. Don't tell Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could take things very personally. Uh, but he lets me tip in wine. So I'm like, here you go. Oh, um, there you go. Uh, okay, sorry. I, I know you want to kind of, uh, we should probably end this pretty soon so you can get, get back to your son. It's got to be bedtime fairly soon for him, I guess. Okay. Right? Oh, yeah, it is. It is. And well, then let's... once he goes to sleep, I'm going to see Black Adam. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, I was going to go see that. I haven't, uh, I wasn't going to tonight, but maybe I will because now I can because I wasn't going to be able do it. to. Do it. And then we can talk about it later. And we can talk about it later. Um, do you have any... Uh, future plans for any particular cosplays like uh, honestly like were you did you finish the gondorian the elven armor uh gondorian just going, and elven armor yeah are done like, but, like is so there my my thing now i'm i'm really on just like uh fantasy medieval armor kick i absolutely love okay. fantasy medieval armor because it looks beautiful on mannequins and it looks beautiful on me mm-hmm. so um i did the one of the very first big foam smithing projects i did was the warcraft armor um and it was one of my biggest you know like hits as far as uh recognizability and and stuff like that on instagram and so i'm redoing that entire armor set 3d print version of it so this new version um is going to be you know 100 film accurate um as you know detailed and weathered as well as the one from weta workshop that's my okay. plan so that's what i've been working on um it's just you know we're dealing with uh um prepping for a for a move right now so okay that's the we're i'm getting like these commissions that i have um out before the move and then um i'll continue working on warcraft once i get settled in right um, you know in my new studio so um are you getting like a fully separated studio or is it going to be still well, i have a your... fully separated studio right now it's your garage just or something or no no, no. i have a, a full oh. studio room like a full room oh, 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 for okay. my studio right now <laughs> it's just um the new place will I think the room will be a little bit bigger, so I'll be able to do a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I just, you know, I I'm I hate working on a project and then having to put it on pause. Something about uh, TikTok has really taught me a lot about myself. Apparently, I have ADD or something like that. So, oh, you um, think? Yeah, I think <laughs> something like that. So apparently, uh, because of this darn ADD, I don't like putting things down when yeah. i'm in the middle of them so i abs- i've always hated you know working on something and then having to stop it mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. will get into a hyper focused mode where i will work on something through the night not even realizing i'm working on it through the night right and then come to you know finish what i'm doing oh it's 6 a.m you just worked all the way through the night um so having to be paused on my warcraft armor right now is stressing me out beyond all reason because mm-hmm. I, I keep going over in my head, you know, 
the way I work on stuff is I do all the technical stuff in my head. I plan out everything in my head. And so I have been planning what I'm going to do in my head and I can't physically do it yet. Yeah. And it, it's, it upsets the hell out of me. So I haven't been able to, like, I, I want to work on the hand plate armor yeah. next and I haven't been able to touch it. Do you know why I can explain, by the way, I definitely have ADHD. I can can explain why it bothers you to put stuff on hold. And it's because you don't know if you can pick it back up. One of the, you don't know where you are in it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like one of the reasons that I, I desperately have to finish something if I, because I'm afraid if I don't, I will forget where I was Mm -hmm. when, where I left off and I'll forget what I had intended to do. And in so many cases, like my BB-8, for instance, it's all sitting down in the basement in parts. Like the, the shell is done. It's all printed. The head is printed. But I honestly, every time I start touching it, I go, no, I can't. Cause it, cause it, it, the entirety of the project has to be finished or, right. or, or none of it is finished. Mm-hmm. And I'm like that with, I'm like that with the Boba Fett, uh, sorry, the Mandalorian helmet where I did the graphite rub, like that kind of stuff is you need to do it and you need to do it from start to finish because I can't leave graphite sitting on a helmet and not rub it in you know what i mean or or, yeah. or or polishing or going and doing a second coat or adding a clear coat or all that you can't do part of it in your yeah. mind do you it ever only allows feel you like to finish um do you ever feel like you'll do something and you have a plan in your head you know of okay i gotta do it exactly this way to get it right and you mm. go to do it and it doesn't pan out and then you go shit i don't feel like doing this again yeah, well, yes. I, you know, as a creative technologist, one of the issues that I have is the stuff I build is so bespoke, right? Like the things I, I make, that that box I showed you, this has an RFID reader in it. I had to build a wiring harness. I had to design the things that surround it. Now, I may start out the design and not not go down the right path. Right. Right. I don't mind starting things over if I have a better solution. If I mm. don't have a better solution and it failed and the thing failed, but I can't think of a better solution, I will almost always abandon that thing. I will just be like, fuck it. Not worth my time. You know what I mean? It, because, because like, I, I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to put myself through it. That disappointment yeah. is not something I can live with a second time. Yeah. You know? But most of the time while I'm working on something and I'm, I'm using my hands because I know you can see what I'm doing, but like most of the time when I'm working on something, I can identify what would be a, what would be an improvement while right. I'm working on it. And if I can find the improvement while I'm working on it, I will generally accommodate the improvement while I'm going. But if I have to start Ooh. over entirely, that can be so demoralizing and dispiriting yeah. that I will, I will fall into a funk and I will, <laughs> I will give up and I will try something else entirely. One of my things that I've been doing um, along those lines is I will recognize the improvement that I need to make to whatever prop or right. um, I'll be in the middle of finishing up the original prop. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, the Gondorian armor, I made three different swords. 
finish <laughs> literally to finish to completion three different swords right. so the first sword i made was the sword of boromir that i basically made into my own version of the sword of boromir for my character right then i re then i was like oh there is actually a infantry sword for the gondorians so i did a regular infantry sword which is sitting on the wall behind me right now mm -hmm. and then i saw pippin's um troll slayer sword um and i was like I really love the design of that. It looks just like the Gondorian infantry sword. It's just got a, a better uh, handguard and a better right. pommel. Right. I'm going to make that one and size it up to normal human size. That's funny. So I have three full size or three <clears throat> completely finished swords because I just in the middle of finishing the first, you know, the, the first one, I'm like, Oh, I want to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, how weird is it uh, that you know the names of so many medieval weapons and armor parts? Like it just a, it's such a it's such a funny thing to go you know for instance pauldrons. Like when I say pauldron, you know exactly what I mean. You know it's the shoulder part. It's the it, you know the breastplate. There's you know uh, when you said pommel, I knew what you were talking about. I knew when you said handguard. You know, like to me. There's something that's so, uh, let me think of the word for this, uh, accepted nerdery is, yeah. is like all I can think, like just how, how you're willing to nerd so entirely out over what, what really is sort of the minutia. You don't need to know that those things are called those things. Yeah, no, the accepted nerdery. Yes, I. It's a normal. You, there, there are simpler terms for those things. Obviously, that you know, layman's terms. But I'm so passionate about the work that I do, and about you know, my inspiration is always has always been like what a workshop, and mm -hmm. they put so much work. You know, they they do real armor. Yeah. real armor so they put in the work doing the real armor i do i i feel like i should put in the work by you know doing as real as i can possibly get and you know use the correct names for whatever i'm working on so yeah. you know i've gotten to the place where uh I'm making my own tunics, making my own, you know, chain mail, whether that's, you know, using like a faux type of fabric to create that effect or using, you know, 3D printing chain mail pieces, mm -hmm. chain link pieces. Um, I just, I, it's all about like authenticity, whether nobody sees that authenticity, you know, because there's always parts of a build that nobody's going to see. Yeah. You know, those little details underneath something or inside something that nobody's going to see, but I'm going to know they're there. Yeah. It's the, it's the gratifying part because it's like a secret for you, right? Like yeah. that's, you know, you, you're not going to go, oh, hey, by the way, also, hold on. And you unstrap a bunch of stuff and hold it open and go, look, there's this. You yeah. know, but in your mind, someone's going like, oh, my God, that looks incredible. And you're like, you don't even know the half of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. First and foremost, it has to be about you and what you enjoy. If it was if it was about the audience, I think it would be less satisfying. I don't think it's ever been about the audience for me. It's always been about like what I enjoy. So I'll just see an armor that I really like. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to build that. And then people will recognize it or they'll just think it's absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love that, 
you know, the recognition of it or just people appreciating the aesthetic or the, the beauty of the armor. I love that. Yeah. But it's always, it's never been about anybody else. It's always been about just like, I like what I like. So that's why I think that's another reason why, you know, you'll see cosplay trends. People will be doing, you know, oh, the Deadpool movie just came out. You're going to see a million Deadpool cosplayers. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been like that. Yeah. I will always be several years late to a trend so like <laughs> when i did my years of war armor it was way after the hype of the latest gears right. of war game um i just you know at that point was like you know i really like this design i want to build my own gears of war armor mm -hmm. and so you know there weren't really any other gears of war cosplayers out and about because i i think that also helps with my the recognition of my stuff because right. i'm not i'm not one of a billion of these cosplays out there mm -hmm. i'm i'm very unique because i'm just going with my own flow i'm just like i like this so i'm gonna make it and it's not trendy right now but i'm the only one well <laughs> i mean it but it, if you weren't doing it that way I, I can't imagine how exhausting it must be to try to please people oh with, with your work yeah. Oh my God. When, when it comes to, uh, most especially, I think, when it comes to cosplay, because the inauthentic comes through, you know, they get they get tired, you know? Yeah. You can see them get tired. They're just like, oh, yeah, I know, I'm doing it, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. the people that are authentic and they want, it's not about, it's not about your, your acceptance of what they did. It's just like, hey, look what I did. Like yeah. it, you can see, like I saw it at, at Fan Expo and I saw it with the cosplayers, the people that, that were doing it for themselves first were the happiest to be out. And yep. it's, it's such, it's such a gratifying experience to witness because I saw it with my own child where they were just like so happy. They didn't care that only five people knew who Popey the performer was. Yeah. They really liked their cosplay. Yeah. And whenever somebody acknowledged them, they went in, they went in their bag and they, they had drawn stickers to give to people. And they were like, thank you so much. And you could see how much it pleased them. And, and that I think is, if there's anything to take away from this conversation, the authenticity of your own appreciation of your work needs to be for first and foremost, mm -hmm. because otherwise, like, why would you bother? Right. There's no question. <laughs> But I, I don't know, man. Like I, I hate to say things that you're just like, yup. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. It's okay. No, because I'm, I'm just, I'm totally agreeing with you. Because I, I feel like, um, there have been a few instances of me finishing a particular piece, and I'm like, I'm not feeling this, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'll like either scrap it or I'll completely do it over again. I right. had that happen with the Gondorian armor. There was, um, I did the chest plate. The first chest plate I did, I did the entire thing with um, filler primer and uh, spot putty. Mm -hmm. Didn't resin coat it. And so there were some very minuscule layer lines. Right. Nobody else was going to notice them. I noticed them. Mm -hmm. And when I did my big photo shoot, first photo shoot um, in my studio here, they, you know, nobody else is noticing these layer lines, but I could see them they in my photos. They're screaming at you, right? I, yeah, screaming yeah. in my face. I'm like, no, this is not going to work. I, I, I know myself, and I can do better work than this. And so I completely mm -hmm. redid the Curious 
for the Gondorian. And the original Curious is sitting downstairs right now. <laughs> I use it as a test piece sometimes for, you know, different uh, processes and processes on top of the graphite. Right. So yeah, like it's, I had to redo it because I know myself and I know I'm going to beat myself up for my own work. Right. You know, because I can do better than that. Well, I mean, like I said, I went as Darth Pooh. The minute I put the helmet on, I realized that I couldn't do it. I was like, it was a couple of minutes and I just, everything was fogging up. I was really upset. I was saying to my my kid, like, I I can't do this. And I'm fully, I'm fully in it. Like my breath, breathing loop is going. I got the chest box, uh, the, the stomach box on. Yeah. And I just, I said, I can't. And I, and I said, just wait. And I went and changed out of it all. And it was like three or four minutes of me in it and people stopping and looking and oh my god and i i felt it i was like man if i could just get past this but i couldn't and then yeah what was amazing was that i was walking around with a darth vader helmet in my bag face up like people were seeing it and one guy came over and goes where did you buy that I go, oh i didn't so this is a 3d printed i picked it up i handed it to him let him look at it he goes oh would you make this for money i'm like no no not ever this is just too it's too much of a pain in the butt man i i, I couldn't do it but it looks great on my wall yeah <laughs> <laughs> it does look really good on my wall like i would i have that the mandalorian helmet that i did and i'm like good enough to know the process at some yeah. point i'll find something when when you when you're wearing the gondorian helmet i thought man yeah i could do that because because it, it's out like your face is visible you can see out of it you can breathe um yeah yeah i don't know i don't know how you manage to put on helmets and like don't feel immediately closed <laughs> in you know you know i think it's part of my uh introversion it helps me it's like a protective shell for me right um, yes i'm not having to you know be out mm. in front of people exposed i get to be that character within that helmet and that anonymity helps me get outside of myself oh that's fair that's fair maybe that's something i need to look at i don't know if i'll ever want to cosplay but if i do i'll have to reach out to you to help me figure out how i can be comfortable with it i'm game <laughs> uh well listen charles i am uh, god again what what a fantastic conversation i'm looking forward to editing this down to a reasonable amount did any of your uh followers ask you questions that you would you would like to see in the episode have you seen anything of uh, I don't think I have any questions. I think most of them had just been chiming in with, you know, like uh, anecdotes and, and okay. shit, uh, things like that. Cassie's been helping me remembering things. Um, <laughs> Cassie is the absolute best mod. So, okay. yeah, so she's been helping me remember the stuff I was forgetting. So, and you um, have a you have a Discord. Yes, I you, do have a Discord as well. Um, I'll put that in the uh, the show notes. The show notes will link to all your stuff, and we'll have a, a variety of ways for people to follow you. And I, I I have to thank you, thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. Of course, I, anytime. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content in this episode is copyright Hugh Elliott and Stephen Grambart. Questions or comments can be emailed to admin at can'tsellthispodcast.com. Music for the podcast is provided by Not Of. Find Not Of at notof.bandcamp.com. 
opening and closing voiceover provided by jeffwright.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, a like in whatever platform you use goes a long way to helping the podcast get noticed. Thanks for listening and keep creating. See you.